It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Breaking. This just in. Breaking news. This is a special report on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Here's Patrick Johnson. Yes, we do have a little bit of breaking news for you as we start things uh, here today. Welcome in, everybody, to the Patrick Johnson uh, Show here on your drive home. Everyone, a little breaking news for you. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Panthers have hired a head coach. Did so about two and a half hours ago, at least announcing it. Ex-Colts coach, one-time Panthers quarterback, Frank Reich, the uh, new head man in Charlotte. Starting quarterback for the first game in Panthers history. Now their sixth head coach, David Tepper, selecting the 61-year-old after an extensive search, nine candidates, uh, including uh, the interim Steve Wilkes. Sean Payton was involved, but uh, at the end of the day, Frank Reich, who we heard was impressive in his interview is the uh, is the head man before we uh, expand upon this a little more before we get Ben B baby Byram's take on this as a numero uno Panthers fan uh, Ian Rappaport with uh, reaction to the news of this hiring this afternoon yeah, I would say over the last several days, Frank Reich emerged as the top candidate here for the Carolina Panthers and really one of the coolest stories around. This is their former quarterback, the first quarterback in franchise history, has family in the Carolina area, a experienced head coach, really someone who could lead this organization into the future. And over the last couple of days, it became clear that he was at least the top, uh, at least one of the top guys, if not the top guys. They also did second interviews with Steve Wilkes and Kellen Moore. And early this morning, according to me and colleague Tom Pelissero, settled on Frank Reich as their new head coach and now a new heir for the Carolina Panthers. And I would say a massive, massive hire, the first of this site. Uh, Rappaport there, NFL uh, Network, NFL.com, with uh, that he was reporting uh, yesterday that this was uh, going down. Uh, we've got uh, numero uno Panthers uh, fan, Ben B-Baby Byron. Hey, Hello, ben. ben. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there, Ben. Uh, look, I I, 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 I'm, I fear Ben is just going to say it stinks no matter what, but I, I be think surprised. I'm I'm actually thinking this was the best play. Uh, Peyton was a little too rich for what they were uh, having to give up. And uh, look, I understand. Um, I understand that uh, you know there's some people who are unhappy about this for whatever reason. Uh, I think it's a good move. I think they needed to go offensive. With uh, their philosophy, that's what they've done. All right, Ben, what say you on this? No, I mean, I thought it was the best possible hire given the candidates. I mean, you're not going to get Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, which I was personally my favorite. He decided he doesn't want to coach. 
But uh, when you look at Wilkes and you look at Kellen Moore, I mean, Kellen Moore is clearly not ready to be a head coach. Steve Wilkes, um, in a pre- pretty much in a play-in game, called that game way too conservative and played his way out of a head coaching gig. And he's defensive-minded. The odds are stacked against him. And he's suing the league. Frank Reich made the most sense. He has head coaching experience. Um, he's an experienced offensive coordinator, a Super Bowl winning coordinator. Um, I remind you with Nick Foles at quarterback. So I think it was the best possible move. You get an offensive minded guy, which Tepper wanted. You also get an experienced guy who's a former head coach. Um, I think it was just the best move possible. You know, it might not be the sexiest hire, and uh, it's going to be very polarizing, but nonetheless, I think it's a good move. Seven of the nine candidates had offensive backgrounds, so that tells you where Tepper felt like uh, they needed to go or the direction in which the uh, team needed to go. Uh, Wilkes has been mentioned, is uh, in a discrimination lawsuit with the NFL after being fired after one season as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Wigder LLP, of course, based in New York City, this is what they tweeted out. We are shocked and disturbed. That the incredible job Coach Wilkes did as the interim, co- the incredible job, the incredible job Coach Wilkes did as the interim coach, including bringing the team back into playoff contention and garnering the support of players and fans, that he was passed over for the head coach position by David Tepper. There's a legitimate race problem in the NFL, and we oh, can assure God. you that we will have more to say in the coming days. So that's that's what we're going to hear. Uh, out of this, I, I tend to agree with you, uh, Ben, from the standpoint of, you know, the the Tampa game. Who knows had he won it? Obviously, the Panthers would have probably been in the playoffs, and things may have been a little different. But it, did he do an incredible job? He did a really good job with the roster. Uh, he did get fans excited, and apparently, he had the support of the players. All of that is is accurate. I think incredible jobs, a little bit of a gracious term there. And I don't know so much if they brought the Panthers back into playoff contention as much as that was just the worst division in football. No, that's a good point. And when you look at Frank Reich, you know, I said the number one thing that needs to be figured out in Carolina is obviously quarterback, the offense, you know, that's that's a given. But the culture, you know, establishing a culture, Wilkes did that. Um, but Wright can do the same thing. He's got the experience. He's been he's a former player at the quarterback position, probably one of the best backup quarterbacks we've ever seen for what that's worth. I mean, he's a guy people are going to want to play for and going to want to follow. Um, he's got everything that Wilkes has, except he's offensive minded and he's he's got it more experience. He's a he's got proven success at the coordinator position on offense. So since uh, 2018, Panthers have had eight different starting quarterbacks start at least one game. And look, Reich is, you know, Andrew Luck uh, retired right before his second season. Yeah. So he was, he had five different quarterbacks in five seasons kind of start five different starting quarterbacks, if you will, guys that were brought in to be the man. Uh, since Luck suddenly retired. You had Luck his first year, Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers in his swan song, Carson Wentz didn't go well, Matt Ryan into the run there. I don't think he was uh, there for Matt Ryan. I think he, he got fired before Matt Ryan came around. I thought uh, Matt Ryan, Ryan started was this the past season. year, no. This, that was this past year. Well, now he coached. 
what is it, seven or eight games into the year. I'm, I'm this pretty year? certain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Reich okay. did. Yeah. So Ryan was the was the starter because they went to Foles late in the season. Yeah. He was brought in to be the backup. No, he, he did coach a three, five, and one start. But I mean, point being that offensively, they had no idea what they were doing in Indianapolis. They had no, you know, they had no plan. They had no quarterback. They had no plan. And it's hard to say if that was his call or if that was a GM call, but I don't think Phillip Rivers was necessarily his. Carson Wentz and that whole deal definitely concerns me. I think his overcommitments or commitment to a guy like that ultimately costed him his job and set him back a couple of years. I mean, Carson well, Wentz yeah, maybe, maybe was abysmal, did. and they gave up picks for that guy. So but you that's did. what I'm worried about with him in Carolina is when he's trying to find that quarterback, um, right. are we going to see much of the same there? They need to have a plan in Carolina for what they're doing with the quarterback. They've got to. And what that's going to look like, I don't know. But they've got to have a plan. And hopefully it's not Derek Carr or something like that, because I can very well see that happen and very well, well see where that's going. I would say this to that. I think it's better than what they have had the last couple of That's true, yeah. Seasons. But does I, that equate to winning or success? I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Well, I think if you're going to it's a band aid. But how many Perfectly teams are described. looking for how many teams are looking for the it's a better band-aid though than than what they've had. I I would say that. It's a better band-aid than what they've had. Yep. They've got to decide, they've got the number 9 pick. Are we going back to the drawing board with the quarterback? Because we don't know what uh, you know, they just I mean they used used the third round pick last year. Yeah, to get one. and they traded up to get that uh, third round yeah. pick. Yeah, for Corral. And we don't. And in all fairness, we don't know what he can do. Yeah, because he got hurt in the preseason. So, I, I I like the higher. I just now now the real work begins. Of do we have a plan? Yeah. I think I think Reich has a with head coaching experience. Better hire than any of the coordinators would have would have been. Absolutely. And had they hired Wilkes, I'd have been fine with them hiring Wilkes. I I just didn't know if that was the best play. Uh, yeah, I and, think and look, you're in a better Frank place with Reich than Wilkes right now. Right. Frank Reich might not be the, the right play, ultimately. But I mean I think a lot of people were just in their feels over the Wilkes thing. Because the team were was showing a a heartbeat after not showing any kind of spirit for the time that Matt Rule was the head coach. Well, there was times at the beginning of the year where we're like, wow, I mean, I didn't think it was going to be the case, but this looks like the worst team in the league. Like, I don't know how it got at this point. The roster isn't that bad, but this looks like the worst team in the National Football League right now, and I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. But um, the hire is made today, and look, the you expect the lawsuit to say, and the lawsuit to... to the lawyers to say what they said and for the lawsuit to, to be what it was. It's our brethren in the media, particularly triangle sports that <laughs> Shocker. have made, 
you know, that are that are going there with a lot of this as well. I mean, the guys and, are actively suing the league. I mean, well, not a lot of owners owners are probably getting a memo like, if you take a chance on this guy, life is going to be a living hell for you. I mean, this is going to be a problem. Well, well, but even if there's no such memo, yeah. I don't know if I'm I'm ready to go there with the black helicopter. Yeah, but I'll, I'll say this: the tinfoil hat and all that. I mean, I you might be right, Ben. I don't know. I think there's something but, to it, definitely. I mean, there's a reason Brian Flores had a good little thing going with the Dolphins. I don't think there's no coincidence he's no longer a head coach and he's not even being looked at for a head coaching job right well, now. Well, it's tough to be suing. Absolutely, yeah, you're the right. League. And and be actively one of the thirty some odd head coaches in the league. I just think that's very yeah the very difficult. You. That's very difficult, and I understand it is it doesn't have anything to do with Tepper per se, and this may not even come into Tepper's reason. But I I could see where maybe there there was that that had to have entered the conversation. He does have a lawsuit against the league. And I mean, it's a tough thing, obviously. I I just don't think some of the decisions that were made, it, particularly that Tampa game and the and the strategy coming in against a, a Bucks team that was not good. Yeah, that's no, not a good team. Uh, just playing it too close to the to the vest. It reminded me of Ron Rivera towards the end. It was like a spitting image of what ultimately cost well, Ron Rivera his job. Defensive-minded guys. Everybody reverts back to what they know. Yeah. So, well, the proof I think is, that the, had as much the, to do with it as anything. The proof is in the pudding with the playoffs right now. All offensive-minded guys are head coaches right now that are still around, so... Well, that's the league. Yep. That's what it's become. Yep. It has become a, a true offensive offensive league. Um, so that's the big breaking story today. Um, we'll get Zoke on. I'd see if he'll come on with us Monday. I'd be interested to hear you know his perspective on it. So we'll see. He was for Wilkes. He was Team Wilkes. If he I was correctly. So he was, and I, and I and I don't think Zoke is going to be anti Frank Reich. I no, just, yeah. You know, I think you're looking at a situation where uh, it'll be interesting to see. And I, I'm assuming a press conference will be held tomorrow. If oh, for sure, if yeah. Not tonight. Yeah, Reich already I mean, lives in Charlotte, so I mean, it's not like you got to oh. fly him out or anything. Yeah. Well, that's it right there. You don't have to move him either, yeah. right? All right. Um, we'll break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll have a pirate report for you. Uh, some sound from ECU Baseball Media Day. Uh, our pal Brian Mull's going to join us. Looking forward to having him on today. Tomorrow on the show, uh, we'll talk to Joe Giglio, the greater Joe <laughs> of that equation. And uh, we'll also have Jason Sane on uh, representative if if. Sports gambling in North Carolina will get the green light. Okay, we'll break. We'll come back and uh, have a pirate report for you. So stay with us. And Pirates. Oh, there. Panthers. Good, baby. Very good. The P-Man. Uh, put its pants. This is Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 
And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. I'm sure Ben B. Baby Byram, when he uh, played some cuts from uh, the other day and uh, Pirate Baseball Media Day, talked about uh, the way they're, they're signaling in plays, pitches, I should say. The way they're calling pitches this year. Oh, the watches. Yeah, everybody's fascinated with these watches. Did you guys play that cut the other from the other day? I did not because, I mean, like, the, the way I look at it, if you're a fan, I mean, what does that do for you? Carter Spivey uh, you know, kind of said, I guess it's really no big difference in signaling in plays, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, he's just like, it's really not that big of a deal. I mean... It's just like another way to signal in place, but what they're doing, you know, instead of the catcher signaling in place or they're getting something from the, uh, the dugout per se, it's, um, or, you know, using the wristbands, it is, um, it is, um, these watches that they're wearing, like a smartwatch, right? Yeah. Where they, uh, Austin Knight will signal the play and it'll go to the watch and that'll be the pitch that they throw. So the catcher will see. And yeah. And they said, like, I think it's kind of neat. Yeah. They said teams like Vanderbilt and, um, Texas that they played reuse them and that they kind of needed to get on it, um, to get to that next level. So, if well, they the took coaching, advice, yeah, the yeah. coaching staff told them at uh, Vandy and Texas that they needed to, needed to do it. I thought it was good. I thought that was, that was interesting. Makes things convenient, more convenient. So, uh, our comments today come from the uh, assistant coach or associate head coach for uh, Pirate Baseball, uh, Jeff Palumbo, and uh, he talked about the development of the freshmen from ECU Baseball Media Day. Here we go. In terms of their willingness to work and improve, um, it's been it's been great. I mean, they're just they're, they're all all awesome kids, and you know, I've really uh, of course we took some time right in the fall, early part of the fall, to figure out what you know what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. And obviously, as you get out and recruit them, you, you feel like you have a pretty good idea of it. But until you get a chance to work with them every day, um, you know, and then you see it, you, you figure it out. So really took some time after the fall to uh, get with some of those guys one on one that are maybe new to the program and just kind of go to go to work with what they needed to do we felt like so it's interesting they're all different you know all those guys out there that are working they're all very different uh, in terms of some of what their strengths and weaknesses are so it's just about identifying them but they've 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 done a great job you know they've done a great job taking the information going to work and and uh, really over that three week four week stretch of December um, they have to do it on their own you know so you kind of give them that blueprint for what they need to work on and they've come back Uh, but once you get you all get a chance to meet all those guys you'll you'll see they're really uh really really neat kids and um they're 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 they're, uh just going to work every single day and they're they're um you know their interactions with each other right they're out there competing and it's one of those jobs it's you know it doesn't you know zach being out there or Ryder being gone those those situations they know it's open you know and they're competing every day but going about it in, in, in the right way and being good teammates at the same time so it's been fun to work with all of them and um long time between now and opening day obviously yeah three weeks from tomorrow more from coach uh, barini talking about the impact of the season 
Joey is the thing about Joey is he's pretty pretty quiet. You know, he's pretty reserved. So, um, but you, you guys have all seen players that have have been in the program. You know, and how. how how much that impacts them just being in the program knowing coach you know coach's expectations and knowing what to do every single day and I know coach and I just referenced those sophomore pitchers and I've, I've always said when you look back at some of the players that have come through the program in our time here the Connor Norbies of the world and you know even even uh, like a Jacob Starling last year right just having that year under their belt uh, is it's huge. And so Joey's had a couple, you know, and some of those other guys out there, they're going through it for the first time. And I, and I just think, you know, he's, he's come back, especially here over the last few weeks and just done a really, really good job of showing up at practice um, and, and kind of taking his game to another level. And really with that position, it just comes down to consistency, right? You, you, you look at our guys, Turner Browns and Ryder Giles, Zach Agnos, those guys have run out there and you just pretty much knew what you were getting, you know, every single day. And of course they made their mistakes at times, not many of them, but when they did, you know, they didn't really compound those things. And sometimes that can be hard for, for young players, right? And, and Joey, I think has done a nice job of, of just continuing to show up every day. He shows up every day. He works hard and you know steadily we talk about getting one percent better every day well that kid's been doing that a long time you know and you're starting to kind of see the results of of just the work he's put in he's been really consistent so again we'll get into the next three weeks and go play and um practice is one thing going out and doing it when you got three weeks to opening day and speed of the game picks up and all those all those factors um you know become a little a little bit more relevant you kind of see how they handle it so but joey's done a great job yeah, there's a little bit of a hole at the shortstop position. Barini in the mix for that. Others are in the mix uh, for that, younger players. It's going to be interesting. Uh, more from Coach Palumbo on the maturity and mindset of this year's team. In all reality, I mean, it starts with Coach, and Coach does a great job of just laying the uh, the, the foundation and the expectations of the program. And, and I think our older guys really help with that. You know, our older guys and this group as a whole – you know, just my personal opinion, I would say the, the 2017 group, you know, I really, really enjoyed coaching. Um, they just went about their work in a certain way. And, you know, I've, I've told a lot of people, I feel this group has a lot of similarities in, in the way that they're approaching, um, you know, excuse me, the 18 group and the way they're approaching their um, the work, right? We had the tough year in, in 17 and that 18 group just kind of went about their, their business, um, in a, a really mature way. Um, and I feel this group has done the same thing, but I think it starts with coach and then it kind of works its way down to some of those older guys, you know, and you look at this core group of older players that have been in the program, the Hoovers, the Spiveys, the Sailors, yeah, they've just been around the program long enough to understand that when you go about things in the right manner and you treat people with respect and you go about in a selfless way, it's going to filter down to the rest of the team. So although, you know, with the NIL and, and those those guys coming in through the transfer portal, I think it's still, still at least within our program where those guys come in and they realize pretty quickly, this is how it's going to go here, you know, and it's been this way for a long time and the results have been pretty darn consistent and pretty darn successful. Um, more from coach this time on, uh, why he has uh, decided to stay at ECU other than taking a head coaching position elsewhere. You know, number one, it's, it's this place, you know, it's, it's everything about what we do, right. You know, when, when you talk about college baseball and you talk about, you know, um, 
just the opportunity to to do it every single day and what we put into it and then you have a fan base that's as passionate about the fan base here and what they put into college baseball you know that is you know for myself and my family um we're you know year year nine and I'm just as excited about what we're doing here as I was in 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 year one and um so it's just something you you know y'all y'all have been here and you realize how passionate this fan base is it, it, it's it's really exciting to be a part of that number one you know r- really when it comes down to it we're extremely happy with what we're doing here all right uh, more from coach and this is uh how recruiting has evolved the tradition has grown here you know what we've been able to achieve and so anytime you're selling a a a winning successful product um i i think that is very helpful now the younger that we've had to recruit over time um the less that becomes maybe a factor in in terms of what you know every family is different every every player is different so just being able to identify what it is that they value you know, what it is that's important to that family, um, while at the same time staying true to what we are, right? Because at the end of the day, when they show up here on campus and they get here to move into the dorm that summer, you you don't want them coming under false pretenses of what they think they're coming to, because then it's not going to work, you know? And, and I tell every family, every player that, uh, and, and I think y'all know Coach Gowan uh, well enough to know that he's he's not going to, he's going to tell you exactly what we are and, and uh, what the expectation is going to be once they arrive. And um, I tell them we're looking for three things, talented players that can help us win, win championships, players that are committed to their academics and doing as well as they can, and, and good people. And, and really have tried to stay pretty pretty true to that, you know, because I tell them if we can get 35 to 40 players in the locker room that have those characteristics with what Coach has established and what we've been able to, to do in terms of just building the foundation and developing them as people when they're here. Associate Head Coach for Pirate Baseball and the Recruiting Coordinator, uh, Jeff Palumbo there. Good stuff from him. Good to hear from Coach, one of the good guys in the biz. All right, let us uh, grab a uh, sports update here. Breaking news out of Charlotte. Ben B. Baby Byram with that and a lot more. Right after this, then Brian Mull will join us on the Patrick Johnson Show. Thanks, Patrick. The very first starting quarterback in Carolina Panthers history is now the head coach of the Cats as they have officially hired Frank Reich. Just moments ago, Frank Reich just most recently was the head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. Before that, the offensive coordinator for the Eagles during their Super Bowl run. Moving on, we're a little over three weeks away from ECU baseball starting their 2023 campaign. Last season's American Athletic Conference Pitcher of the Year and Carter Spivey is receiving several preseason accolades as is the team. Spivey is not hearing the noise, and he said he added some pitches to his arsenal. Let's hear from Spivey right here, the reigning AAC player of the year, and what pitches he's added. We're having some technical difficulties. In the meantime, ECU women's basketball team fell to the Memphis Tigers last night, 61-53 in Minji's Coliseum. The Pirates were led by Danae McNeil of 19 points and Amaya Joyner of 8. 
and eight points and 13 rebounds. And Greenville native Tommy Paul set to face 21-time major champion Novak Djokovic in the semifinals of the Australian Open. As a bonus, Paul's mother was in the crowd for the biggest victory of his career in the quarterfinals. He said his mom booked the flight after he won his fourth-round match, then went straight from work to the airport to make the long journey from the U.S. We wish Tommy Paul very well against one of the biggest matches in his life. That's going to do it for your 94 through the Game Sports Update. This 94 through the Game Sports Update is brought to you by Team Boneyard, an NIO initiative directly supporting pirate student-athletes. For more information on how to donate, go to teamboneyard.org. On the other side, we'll hear from college basketball writer Brian Mole on the ECU basketball pirates and all the latest in college basketball. That comes your way on the other side right here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Online or on the go, log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com, to listen to The Patrick Johnson Show weekdays at 5. It might be crap, but we love it! Or tell your smart speaker to stream 94.3 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. Pirate Baseball lives right here. On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Brian Mall's usually on with us uh, Fridays uh, for parts of uh, this year, and uh, sometimes we shift him to Thursdays. This is one of those times. He joins us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at BG Mall. Everything uh, in the world of golf you ever wanted to know, and uh, everything in the world of uh, college basketball. Brian's all over it, having cover, uh, covered and continuing to cover both those uh, sports for various outlets across the Fruited Plain. Hello there, Brian Mole. How's it going? Hello, Patrick. Everything is going well. couple things. You and I were having a chat a little earlier uh, about NIL. And, you know, we've got our Boneyard Collective here. Uh, we're going to get into it uh, really next week. But uh, they're, they're in an effort to kind of have a big push in order to be able to compensate football players on the ECU roster. And it was interesting. I was talking to a longtime coach yesterday, and that's all I'm going to say. And they just were really frustrated uh, by the whole NIL situation. There's a lot of unanswered questions about it. And look, I, I get it. I understand it. There's things about it I don't like. But as I, I tried very politely and succinctly to tell uh, this coach, the the toothpaste ain't going back in the tube on this. It's here to stay. So, you know, it, it's kind of interesting when we look around. I mean, you, you follow a lot of things in sports. Uh, and and I, I, look, there was a great podcast that was done by, uh, oh, gosh, the guy coached at LSU and coached at VCU. Will Wade. Will Wade. Great podcast from Will Wade. In fact, you sent me a clip. And I mean, and I, I just tie it into NIL from this. The times they are changing, and it's either adapt or get left behind, I think. There is no doubt. And I think um, I'm of the opinion that NIL is fine. It is a nice addition to the landscape to compensate the players. I'm also of the opinion that nothing has ever uh, been originated that was uh, more disorganized. And uh, <laughs> I mean, this is truly the wild, wild west and just a reflection of the incompetence of the NCAA and its former leader, uh, Mark Emmert. I can't think of anyone who has uh, 
who has underperformed as greatly as Mark Emmert did, who was compensated as well as he was for as long as he was. And now the NCAA thinks by installing the former governor of Massachusetts that he's going to, you know, have the connections on Capitol Hill to be able to just fix all of these problems. And I'm not so sure it's going to work out that way. I mean, the NCAA, it, has just shown its, you know, ineptitude, its inability to regulate this, uh, that the NIL could have uh, been, this transition could have happened much more smoothly had there been some type of, uh, you know, parameters, some type of uh, just regulations to it. But uh, everything you're hearing uh, just across the country is basically the NIL and the transfer portal, especially at the highest level of college football, are tied. And um, the reason you're seeing a lot of these players in the portal is because they're going for the highest bid. That's certainly their right, but there there should be some type of uh you know, a, a salary cap, if you will, to it, or just some type of uh, organization. And there, there is not. And I think that's why a lot of coaches are frustrated. Brian Mull with us. To the Will Wade point, he was talking specifically about utilizing the portal. And look, it's it could be easy for Wade, who's kind of sidelined this year, and I feel like he'll probably end up getting another chance. He got into that hot water at LSU, but he's got the right mindset for how to do it. It almost seems like Will Wade was made for the transfer portal era, doesn't it? <laughs> there, there's no doubt about it, and, and it's um, it's interesting that the, the so-called trouble that he's in, and he certainly cannot speak about that publicly because it's still being litigated, is now everything that he was doing, and whatever you may think about it morally, is now legal, one hundred percent legal. And um, so I I don't know what grounds, I I just don't know what uh, spirit the NCAA has to enforce some of these uh, regulations uh, that, 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 you know, or or, or these violations that have happened in the past. Uh, I think he's sitting out this year from coaching. That may be his penalty. Uh, yeah, you know that yeah. may that may end up being his uh, his sh- his show calls, if you will, in, in retrospect, or maybe they they tack another year on. But but Will's still a young guy, and he'll get back into it. But he does have some great ideas about how uh, the the whole idea of building a program long term has really changed. Uh, you're building a team at the highest levels of college athletics, football and basketball, year to year, you're building a team. You're trying to put the best roster. You're making sure you have all your boxes checked. If you need an offensive lineman, you can go out in the portal and find you an offensive lineman. If you need a point guard on a college basketball team, you better go find one and and look at it. And then as that season wraps up, uh, some players are going to leave uh, – for various reasons. Uh, some are going to go up, some are going to go down, and then you have an opportunity to rebuild your roster again. And if you do that, you can put a product on the court that can win basketball game. Ultimately, that's what every fan base expects. I'm going to tie something in here. Brian Mole with us uh, here, college uh, basketball and golf writer uh, covering the PGA. Uh, follow him at BG Mole on Twitter. Pirates host Wichita State Sunday, Isaac Brown is their head coach. Uh, you got to think in a little bit of hot water, uh, they're 10 and 10, 95, 90, they lose in overtime to Tulane and, uh, gave up, uh, after, uh, halftime last night, 60 points. That includes the overtime, but 21 of those were in the OT. Uh, so will Wade to Wichita. Eh, I mean, I'm just, just rolling it. I mean, nothing's been decided on Isaac Brown, but you know, I think that would be a great fit. 
uh, I think he, he could get it turned around very yes. quick, quickly yeah. there. Uh, certainly a proud tradition. And look, the folks in Wichita, they love their basketball. They are not going to put up with performances like that on their home court. They already have home court conference losses to East Carolina and Cincinnati. Uh, the Isaac Brown, uh, you know, he filled in in a tough spot when Greg Marshall was let go uh, prior to the 2021 season. But um, this is just not working. And I think it's time for them to, to clean house and to, to revamp. And uh, I would imagine that this will this will be the end of the road. I mean, they're currently 130 in Kim Palm, and you're talking about a program that was top 50, top 30, top top 10 uh, in many years under under Greg Marshall, and that's the expectation. Yeah, uh, we've got uh, ECU playing at uh, or hosting, I should say, Wichita as we mentioned Sunday. Our coverage will begin at 11 a.m. Uh, on uh, on Sunday, noon will be the tip uh, here on 94.3 The Game. I want to ask you a little bit about, uh, you know, I don't know how much you got to, to check out the other night. I'm sure uh, you, since I was on the call, you were on every word of what I was saying. But uh, Tulsa and ECU, that was a nice, you know, win for the Pirates, uh, given the, the kind of current makeup of the roster. Javon Small, uh, at least four weeks is what he is what you know, was said afterwards, uh, yeah, it could be more. Obviously, it's a, it's a tricky situation with with what he's dealing with, with a leg injury. Uh, but, uh, you know, real, real, real impressive and, and kind of a, a nod back to the beginning part of the year where R.J. Felton and Brandon Johnson started to heat things up. You know, you could certainly, I think, be critical of Joe Dooley's tenure uh, one way or the other. But, you know, he brought those two guys in and uh, dividends for the program seem to be paying off. Yeah, I thought they both played like veterans. I did watch most of the game and I thought particularly uh, even in the first half when when East Carolina's offense was struggling a little bit, Brandon Johnson looked around and said, uh, if you can't identify who the man has to be, then it has to be yourself. And um, he, he took charge and was very aggressive, looking for his shot, really showing a diversified offensive game. He's really made a tremendous progress. Uh, his development over the past year has been very impressive. And then Felton was spectacular in the second half. I mean, uh, you're talking about a high-level athlete who really is developing into a very good basketball player. And Biella hitting us some some Huge threes there in the second half that kind of broke the game open and, and gave ECU a little working margin. That was a gritty win for the Pirates. Certainly they needed it. Uh, you know, when you have a, a losing streak going like that, there's nothing better than a home game to, to kind of get right. And I felt like they were the tougher team down the stretch. Their defense was uh, was impressive. Uh, Mike Schwartz did a very good job mixing defenses, kind of keeping Tulsa off balance. And, you know, you know those are two programs uh, who have good young coaches – who are uh, weren't left with a whole lot on the roster front when they when they took over the program and they're doing the best they can in year one. Um, Houston got bumped off by Temple Sunday, and look, uh, we you and I have talked about this on air and off air. The days of uh, somebody getting to the Final Four with uh, one or two uh, defeats. I mean, you take out Gonzaga, and that just doesn't happen anymore. And it's not going to anymore, I don't think. No, no, that just ties back into our initial point because uh, 
while there's probably a short list of teams who are good enough to win six games in a row in March and win the national championship, there are a lot of competitive basketball teams looking around the country in all of these leagues. Really, the top half, anyone can beat anyone on a given night, and the, the, there's just more balance. There's a lot of older teams uh, with the with the COVID extra year. Uh, you just look around, and, and and there's teams out there with with 22 and 23 year old men and who've been through it, uh, maybe been at a couple of different schools, and finally found the spot where it works for them. And uh, there, uh, it's it should make for an exciting last couple of months of the season for sure. But uh, yeah, there's no guarantees. If you play poorly on the road in most leagues you're probably going to lose. Yeah. Uh, this weekend, uh, and, and the ACC is shaping up kind of interestingly, you've got a log jam with Miami, North Carolina, and Pitt at 7-3. and three. A couple games back of uh, Clemson. You've got Virginia uh, at 7-2, and two, and then the Tigers at 9-1. and one. Tigers uh, will be uh, at Florida State Saturday. Uh, Wake Forest playing host to NC State. Seemed like we chattered uh, chatted a lot about those schools in Syracuse, uh, but they're all kind of there, you know, six and four in that grouping. So a little bit of a separation game in maybe trying to get to the top half of the ACC standings or stay there more appropriately between the Pack and Demon Deeks Saturday. Yeah, and, and first of all. Uh, Great to see Terquavian Smith back on the court uh, against Notre Dame earlier this week. I think a lot of us uh, were were not expecting that. And to see him recover and score 17 points and uh, be back out uh, close to his, to his normal self, I think, is a great sign, for obviously, for him and his family and for the NC State program going forward. That's a big game. Both those teams are uh, going to be on the bubble unless something changes dramatically in the last month. I mean, they're, they're right. Uh, they're, they're hanging around the fringe. Uh, their season could go either direction at this point. And uh, Wake Forest really desperately needs to win this game at home. NC State would love to steal one on the road. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a big matchup for both those programs. Brian Mull, uh, hey, tomorrow we're going to have Jason Sane on, uh, state representative, a guy that uh, introduced in the House the sports betting legislation last year. He was the guy who was really uh, behind that. You know, you obviously have done some writing about that in in some of your golf columns and uh, some of the other endeavors you have. So, uh, yeah, I I understand those that have hesitancy, but to me it makes – it's a no-brainer. And it would it would just make it more accessible to people, you know, who maybe don't want to deal with any offshore kind of accounts because that's people are doing it. This would make it a lot more convenient. This would make it a lot more convenient. People are doing it whether it's a whether it's an office pool to, to betting totals on weeknight games and college basketball and everything in between. People are doing it one way or another. I'm old enough to remember the a similar situation in North Carolina with the state lottery. We waited and waited until all of the neighboring states had legalized the lottery. And then finally, after allowing a lot of money to go out of the state borders to Virginia and South Carolina and Tennessee and elsewhere, decided it would be a good idea. And it feels like this is just a repeat of this, however many years ago that was. So the time is now. Uh, they need to come up with a uh, with, with, with a bill 
that everyone can agree on. Obviously, we're very close to doing that last time. And I would imagine it's it's imminent when you look at what's happened around the country with uh, more than half of the states now legalizing it and uh, allowing folks to, uh, to 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 place a bet on a, on a game. Um, look, this is 2023. The world's changing. And uh, hopefully uh, Jason can help push that bill through. We'll talk to him tomorrow about it. Talking to Brian Mull today. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Patrick. Everybody have a great weekend. Uh, thanks to uh, the one and only Brian Mole there. All right, we'll get uh, set to wrap things up on a uh, noteworthy day right after this. We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game. And 94.3thegame.com. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Ben, do you ever uh, get Uber Eats? Or DoorDash or anything like that? When I get a good deal, I do, but it's a little bit too pricey for my budget. And you live kind of close to a lot of food options, right? Yeah, there's really no need for it. Okay. Uh, this is, uh, well, let's listen. This was during a basketball game. Here we go. Initials timeout. Somebody came on the floor on the far side looking for an Uber Eats delivery or something there. He's carrying some McDonald's. Let's see if we can see this. No, this is going to be the turnover. In the there court. he is. There, right there, there he is. Quarter. Yeah, yay, yay. So this a, guy's actually, who's he delivering it to? We got enough. So like an Uber Eats driver showed up during, what was it? The Loyola Chicago Duquesne. Yep. And was walking on the court. Did a player Delivering. order Uber Eats during the game? Is the question? No, I think it was probably a fan on the on the front row. But I mean, there's other food you can order, right? I guess he didn't want a hot dog or nachos or whatever they have to offer. Right. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I heard. I heard some guys talking about this last night. I was like, no way, this is real. They have to be exaggerating. And there you go, right there. I like to think a player order it. He's like, I already put up 20. I'm checking out. Time for my post-game lunch here, or post-game meal here. Do you remember, um, well, I mean, you, you don't remember. You, I don't think you were alive. Kevin McHale famously ordered a pizza one time when he was hurt for the bench. There was a guy recently in the NFL that, like, grabbed a fan's, like, food and started eating on the sidelines. Hmm. I want to say it might have been Jamar Chase. Okay. I can't remember, yeah. T.O. famously, you know, the popcorn and the beer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it happens, but, you know, those are cases where it, you're using it as a prop taking it. But, I mean, like to order the food or order a pizza. If you're an Uber driver, what are you thinking? I'm just going to walk right on this basketball court during a college basketball game. Yeah, there's no problems with that. Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. I understand why he, I mean, the, the guy clearly had to. To know something was going on, right? You know NBA games do those fake bits with the mascots? You think this was a fake bit? I don't think this was a fake bit. I don't think so either because it's Duquesne and Loyola Chicago. Right. I mean, they doing right. fake bits during the game? I don't think so. Not during the game like that. No, they might do like a fake bit for one of the, yeah, you know, between timeout deals. Uh, thanks to Brian Mole for being on with us. Ben's going to be away tomorrow. Ben, have fun this weekend. Will do. Will do. I'm going to miss you guys.
And we'll have um, coming up tomorrow, Jason Sane, Representative Jason Sane, legalizing sports gambling in North Carolina. And we're going to have Joe Giglio, 99.9 The Fan, with us. Looking forward to that. All right. uh, We'll catch you tomorrow morning on the Talk of the Town program on uh, radio and video. And back here at 5 for the PJ Show. Come on, come on, come on, come on now, touch me, babe. Can you see that I am not afraid? What was that promise?